It is so glad to have you with us here today. We uh, look forward to the time that we can come together and be together once again as a as a body. But until that time, we're going to make the best of it. We're uh, going to keep uh, as long as we're able to put these uh, broadcast out on our Facebook page and and on our uh, Facebook. So. We just know that we're thinking about you, each and every one of our members and, and our church. We're praying for you. If you would need, need anything, do not hesitate to call us. Call myself or one of the deacons. Just let us know, and uh, we'll be glad to do whatever we can uh, as we continue to minister the best way we know how during these trying times. But uh, today I would uh, I would like to share with you some things that are that I feel the Lord has laid on my heart, and, and obviously uh, you've, you've heard a lot of preaching, and, and just about everybody's talking about the, the virus and the problems, and, and so much in Facebook and all over the news and the Internet, all the rest. You, you hear negative, 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 and, and I w- I'd like to just bring some, hopefully an encouraging message to you today in a troubling time, some things for you to, to think about and to to ponder over is, is, is God is in control. I want you to know that. He, he knows exactly what's going on. Uh, you can rest on his promises that he knows what he's doing, uh, even w- when we don't think he does or we don't know what, we're, what he's doing. Uh, we know he's in control, and we know he loves us. Um, this week, we, we got to spend a lot of time with our families. I know many of you do, and and some of you moms with children out of school, you're thinking you're spending more time than you want to with your families at this point, and you're really loving your teachers right now. Uh, but it is what it is, and as, as I said, we, I got to spend a lot of time with my families at home. We had some beautiful weather, and, and uh, there was one particular day, or well, several days, I would watch my grandson just play in the yard. Uh, I'd watch him run all over outside, and and he was just running around, just happily gibbering the whole time. Had no idea what he was saying or, or, or whatever, but he seemed happy. Uh, just going about his business, doing whatever he wanted to do, uh, within the boundaries that his father had set for him in the yard. Uh, but he would go from his sandbox and play there a while, and then he'd go to what we used to call monkey bars. I don't know what they call it today, but the little thing that kids climb on and have a good time. And he would climb on that and then just having a great time, not a care in the world. Occasionally he would look up at the porch and he would see his father and as he sat there and it was almost as to reassure himself that what he was doing or where he was at, that he was okay as he looked for his father's approval. There were a couple times he'd get stuck in the monkey bars or he'd be running down the sidewalk and trip over whatever kids trip over, uh, their own feet, the air, whatever. They, you know, they trip and fall, but he'd fall on the sidewalk, maybe skin his knees, in which he would come running to his father for, for help to make it better, to kiss his boo-boo, or if he was stuck or in a predicament that he didn't feel like he could get out, he would holler out, Daddy, and Daddy would come and fix his problems. 
uh, I thought as I watched my grandson's action uh, that, that he didn't have a clue of all the dangers or all the problems that surrounded him as he played. Uh, as he played and go around his business, there's, there's chaos in the whole world today. Uh, as we deal with this pandemic and many uh, don't understand, uh, even, we don't even get a clear picture of how you can get it. Uh, there, there's all sorts of different ideas of about the symptoms of it. Uh, I, I wish somebody could, could just really just lay it out exactly what the symptoms are we're looking for. You, you look at one place and they say this, and you look at another place and they say this. Uh, maybe we don't know uh, for sure because there's a lot we don't know about this, but uh, the, the chaos is still there. And my grandson doesn't have a clue. He doesn't understand that just outside our yard is a very busy road. A lot of big trucks and cars just speeding up and down the road. And the dangers that all lie would, should he get near or in the road. Uh, there, there are bees and wasps beginning to come out this spring. And, of course, they're pollinating and doing what they do. But, you know, he wants to pick flowers. Uh, he likes the flowers and bring flowers to mommy, but he's a, he's oblivious to a bee can sting me and hurt me. Uh, he wanders off to the edge of the yard toward the woods and where there's briars and, and things he can be tangled up in and maybe even uh, possibly snakes beginning to come out. But he's oblivious to those dangers at the edge of the yard. My grandson doesn't have a care in the world as he plays and he just happily goes throughout his day doing his business knowing that he's okay because daddy is watching his every step. How do I know this? There was one time that my son had to get up and go inside for a few minutes and he asked me to watch my grandson, and which I did. Uh, he had to beg me, but I did it. Now I... It was not a problem at all. But my grandson, as he played and played, he looked up and to see if Daddy was there and if things were okay. And when he realized Daddy was gone, he looked a little concerned. He couldn't see me. So he began to get a little closer to the porch, get a little closer to home. Uh, he began to wander into home a little bit. Because he, as he come in, he almost looked like he had a little bit of fear about him. As if he was, may have been in some kind of danger because he couldn't see daddy. So as he got closer and then he realized that I was there, just a calm came over his face. And he realized again that he was okay. So he went off about his business and played. Uh, as long as he knew daddy was watching, he was in perfect peace. He would boldly go wherever he wanted to go within the boundaries that his father had set uh, to just go about his business, playing, talking, whatever he wanted to do, as long as he knew daddy was close by. As I watched him play and all this take place, these verses in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6 came to mind. If you want to take your Bibles now and, and read along with me, Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, 
set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whosoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Father, as we go and we study your word this morning, I pray, Father, that you would give me the words to say. Lord, help me proclaim boldly the good news of the gospel. Lord, just speak to our hearts and our minds. I pray, Father, as we we study your word right now, that you would just clear our minds of all the distractions, of all the troubles, of all the cares of this world. And, And Lord, just help us just for a few moments to focus on you. Lord, help those few moments go into a few hours, into a few days as we focus on you. And we realize that as we go through our lives, that you're, you're there. You're watching us. You're caring for us. Lord, be with us in this message. Give me the words to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The disciples had been arguing. Now, obviously, you know that the disciples argued a lot about different things. And they argued several times about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, obviously, Peter thought he would be the one. I mean, he was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, he, he walked on the water to Jesus. I mean, I'm sure Peter thought he was the number one man. You know, if, if Jesus is going to be at the right hand of God, Paul or Peter would be at the right hand of Jesus. I'm sure he probably felt that way at times, or maybe not. But uh, knowing Peter, probably... But some of the other disciples were worrying about that. Uh, uh, James and John, the, their mother came and, and asked Jesus a favor of much like this. And uh, Jesus basically said, you don't know what you ask. Uh, this seemed to be a thing. And, and we look at the disciples and we think, oh, how arrogant could they be? How could they think such things? We do about the same thing. Uh, in our churches, in our schools, in our workplace. Everybody wants to be important. Everybody wants to feel like uh, what they're doing, they're being accredited for, or they're getting the rightful attention for. Uh, They want to be in the know. Uh, that, That is just human nature, and the disciples were no exception to this. I want you to look here at our text. Jesus said, Uh, for them to humble themselves as little children. Now, what does that mean, to humble yourself as a little child? Uh, I think it means this. Uh, This is sort of a definition I've come up with a way of studying it. Uh, To humble myself as a child means to say, uh, acknowledge that I am totally helpless without God that I'm in desperate need of help because I can do nothing of my own. When you think of a child, uh, as Jesus would bring this small child, set him in his lap and said, here guys, you're worried about being great in the kingdom of heaven. Bring this child and sit here and this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a child that has nothing to offer. I mean, if you think about it, a, a ch- what can a child bring to a table? Uh, obviously, it has no money. 
There's not much wisdom there, it seems. Sometimes they do get a little better as they get older. But there's not much wisdom, not much money. Uh, they, they don't work. They don't have food. They, they play is what they do. So a child can, has no abilities at that point to bring much to the table. So that child is totally dependent upon its parents. Uh, that it is humble whether it acknowledges that or not. Jesus is making the illustration, this is the humility of a child to be totally dependent and understanding that I am nothing, I'm not safe, I can't provide or nothing without my Father. Jesus is saying we need to acknowledge that as our Heavenly Father. As I said, the disciples were arguing over who would be greatest. And, and Jesus responds with this reply that uh, I guess if you'd been sitting there and watching this, maybe you'd have scratched your head a little bit and said, wait a minute, what is Jesus talking about? Here's these grown disciples been following Jesus and surely they've learned many things from him and they know uh, different truths. And Jesus brings up a child and says, you must act like a child to come to heaven. Uh, that would have made them scratch their head. But Jesus said, unless you humble yourself as a little child, he says, not only are you not great in the kingdom of heaven, but for that matter, he basically says, you're not even going to get to heaven with that kind of attitude. Heaven is not a place for the prideful. Heaven is not a place for the ones that think they're all that. Uh, that thinks that, that they're due their rightful place in heaven. That's not what heaven's about. Uh, you're not even going to get there. What, he, what Jesus was telling his disciples at this moment, guys, you got it all wrong. You're full of pride. You're full of arrogance. You're full of yourself. What you need is a change from the inside. You need to go back to childlike thinking where you are totally dependent on the one who can provide. Uh, so first, I believe uh, to get to heaven, uh, you must humble yourselves before God as a little child for salvation. I think that's why it's difficult for most people to, to, to come and, and to be saved. They don't want to humble themselves. Oh, I'm a good person. Uh, I, I can do this. I can do that. I, I treat others right. I take care of the elderly. I, 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 I do all of these things. But Jesus is telling them that's not good enough. See, Scripture tells us all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. We must understand that we are much like children. When it comes to salvation, I have nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing to bring to the table. I cannot do it on my own. Assur uh, assuredly, I say unto you, is Jesus telling them, unless you be converted... Uh, in other words, change your way of thinking, change your mind about who you are and become as a little children. Obviously, he wasn't saying you had to revert back to being a child. He was saying you needed a new way of thinking. You needed a new mindset. You needed a new inner changing within you that is much like a child. Um, the uh, Amplified Bible said, uh, says that the, the change of inner self, 
your old way of thinking uh, that changes your 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 way of old way of thinking. Life changes, change life, and become like children, trusting, humble, and forgiving. A person for a person to be saved, he must have a new way of thinking about themselves. Well, what is that new way of thinking? First of all, you must acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Uh, you must. There are no way uh, that I measure up to the holiness of God. See, the Ten Commandments was given not for us to live by. And many of you are saying, oh my goodness, Brother Kenny, I thought we were supposed to live by the Ten Commandments. It is a good schoolmaster. It is a good thing, a good guideline for us. But God himself knew that we couldn't do it. When Moses received the tablets and the Ten Commandments and he come down the, the second time and, and showed them to the children of Israel, they all said, all the Lord has said we will do. And a Moses went immediately and built an altar and a blood sacrifice was made. That was a picture of Christ. Moses was telling the children of Israel, no, you can't even do these ten. There must be a Savior to come and die for the sin. What the Ten Commandments do is make us realize how holy God is and how short I fall of His holiness. So we must understand that I in no way could ever measure up to God's holiness. I am a sinner. That's your first step. And the second step was uh, in Romans, it tells us, for the wages of sin is death. So uh, next thing I must realize is that I'm a sinner and the only payment for my sin is death. Now there's talking about a spiritual death, a separation from God. The punishment for my sin is to be put away from God for all eternity. And then you realize that I cannot help myself. Only God can provide a way for my salvation. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we understand that I'm a sinner, that I need, I deserve God's punishment for sin, that I cannot help myself, and only God could provide a way for the payment for my sin. I understand that only God's grace can save me, and, I, and as displayed by His grace, he, he sent His Son to pay for my sins on the cross. And so as a little child, like thinking, I humble myself before an Almighty God. I'm a sinner. I fall short of your holiness. I understand that you sent your Son to die for me on the cross. I accept Him as my personal Savior. Because I know that I cannot do it on my own. Lord God, I am trusting you. I'm believing in your perfect son who died for my sins to pay for the punishment of my sin. That's coming as a little child before God. That is the first step. I mean, if you have not come to that step, there's no place else for you to go. Uh, there, you can't get there and go around this. There's no other way around this. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. So there's no other way around step one. Uh, now, we see there that if we acknowledge our sin, we ask God to forgive us our sin, and, and we understand that Jesus paid for our sin, we accept his free gift of salvation. 
and trust him for, uh, to, for our salvation and our eternal place in heaven. Then it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Being in Christ means I have accepted him as my personal Savior. I have accepted his free gift of salvation. I am his. And then he goes, Paul goes on to tell the Corinthians, if you are in Christ, then he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. What are the old things? My old way of thinking. That I could be good enough, that I am righteous enough, uh, that that I uh, am good enough to get myself to heaven. Your old way of thinking goes away and you understand it's only by God and by His plan that I gain eternal security. Another old thing is my old spiritual condition. Before I came to Christ, before I acknowledged Him as my Lord and Savior, I was dead in my trespasses and sin. My spiritual condition was I was doomed by the wrath of God for my sin. You had a bad spiritual position, your old spiritual position. But now that you've accepted Christ, you have a new spiritual position. What is that new spiritual position? He said, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and have given us a ministry of reconciliation. Salvation is God's plans, God's work, God's way all the time. No way around it. And as little children, we must accept that. And we must trust that and understand that, that I am nothing of myself. Only God can help me. So once we've come to that point, once we've been saved, it says that we are uh, in Christ. We're in a new creation Listen to what John says in John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. But as many as received him, who is him? Jesus Christ. To them, those who received him, he, Jesus, uh, gave them the right to become what? The children of God. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, unless you become as a little child, you can't come to to me. You can't enter into heaven. And after you become, uh, after you received him, you become a child of God. Those who will believe in his name. I'm in John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. uh, To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of the will of God. See, Jesus wasn't telling his disciples, you need to be reborn physically and become a child again. He was saying you need to be reborn spiritually with a childlike attitude for God that you have nothing, am nothing, can do nothing apart from him. To humble yourself before him. And then if we do that, we are now the children of God. He tells the Galatians in Galatians 3.26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Childlike faith. By faith 
I become a child of God. By faith through Jesus Christ, I am his child. Now this faith is uh, the definition here, as, as, as uh, Vines puts it, is the conviction that God exists and that he is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation. I put my faith in him. It's not how much faith I put in him. Jesus said that could be as small as a mustard seed. But my faith and trust as a little child is in God my Father through Jesus Christ. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Christians, we are saved by grace through faith. We must live by grace through faith. Uh, you, it is that doesn't end. Most people think, "Oh, now that I'm saved, I'm okay. God, I got this. I can live this Christian life." You're talking about? No, you cannot. You cannot do it apart from Him. You couldn't gain your salvation or receive salvation without faith. You cannot live your Christian walk without faith. You can't go through this daily life with all of its troubles and all of its worries and all of its burdens without faith in the one who can provide and protect. It is so important that we understand that if we're ever going to have victory in this present life as believers. Uh, God doesn't say, okay, now I've saved you, now figure out the Christian life. That would be much like my son telling my grandson, look boy, I brought you into this world, now figure it out. That makes about as much sense, doesn't it? No, it's up to my son to raise his son and teach him the ways and, and teach him the ways he should go and, and set the boundaries for which he should uh, take and, and to help him to understand that he's going to provide for him, that he's going to protect him, that he's going to lead him and guide him through his life to teach him what he should do. God is no different with the Christian. Uh, he, he saves us and then he equips us. As I said several weeks ago when we were talking about being equipped by God. He's given us gifts uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit. He's, he's provided all things for us perfectly as a perfect father would provide for his children. See, my grandson is learning daily that daddy will provide. That daddy cares and that daddy loves him unconditionally and can fix all of his problems. The same is true with God. He saved you. He'll keep you. He'll never leave you. God now is now in heaven. And he's not up there right now saying, Oh, this coronavirus is bad. Oh, wow, it's bad. I hope that person makes it. I hope that person gets better. Well, I hope that person doesn't get it. God's not up there doing, just wondering. People, God knows. God understands from the beginning of this thing to the end of it. Who's going to get it? Who's not going to get it? Who's going to make it through it? And who's not going to make it through it? God knows this. He is all-knowing. Uh, there's nothing. God is not up there and, and saying, you know, drinking his holy water 
if you want to call it. And, and here comes Satan. Oh, Lord, do you know there's a coronavirus in the earth? Really? No. Nothing catches God off guard. He's not up there contemplating, what am I going to do next? It's all in his control. It's all in his hand. Everything from beginning to the end. He is our heavenly father. We, we must understand that many people are, are just losing their minds over this. Uh, many people are worried daily and, and Christians... I mean, many Christians say, oh, I'm, I'm going to church. I'm going to show my faith. You can show your faith best by not being chaotic like the rest of the world does. You can show your faith best by loving other people during this difficult situation and not criticizing others. That's how the church, not this building, the body of Christ can shine by the testimony we give to the world that we have an almighty, awesome God that is in control of all things, and I will not fear. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, because thou art with me. That's the best testimony we can give right now. And I know that's difficult. I mean, it is natural for us. I've had times where I'm like, whew, we might want to think about how we do things and all the rest, but that those feelings are natural. But don't go crazy with it. God's in control. He knows. I think I beat that enough right now. God is not surprised. Uh, he, it's all in his hands. Listen to this, what, what the psalmist says in Psalm 37. Uh, Psalm 37, 23 through 25. He says, listen to this closely now. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Now what does that mean? That means every step you take, God knows it. Every step you take that is under the leadership of his Holy Spirit, God designed it. God provided it. Every step you take of every day, God knows. And he, uh, it says, though he fall, maybe you take a step out of the path of what God actually wants for you, and you fall down and scrape your knee. Then what do you do? It says, oh, you're not utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand, much like my son when my grandson would fall on the concrete and skin his knee, you know, Daddy jumped off that porch. Daddy was there in a moment to pick him up and put him back on his feet and put him back on the right path. Daddy was watching every step. The, son, the Father, our Heavenly Father, is much the same way. David, the psalmist says, uh, I've been young and I've been old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread or toilet paper. People, God's our provider. We don't need to go out and hoard a bunch of, bunch of materials and toilet paper and food and get what, God, you have for your family for the time. I mean, that's the way it was in the, in the uh, promised land. God said, don't you gather up a bunch of manna for months? 
You gather it for that day. And tomorrow I'll provide for you again. And the next day I'll provide for you again. And God was so adamant about this that if they kept the manna for more than a 24-hour period, it went bad. So God is very uh, much in the providing business as he knows your needs before you know them. Trust him with it. The psalmist says you're not going to be forsaken. God takes care of his people. In Job 14.5, listen to this. Since his days are determined, who is his? Man. Since man, since the human race's days are determined, the number of his months is with you. What is Job saying there? He's saying that the, the days God has set for me. He knows exactly how many days, how many months, and how many years I'm going to take breath. He knows that. He set it in place, I believe, before the foundations of the world. That I would breathe so many days, so many months, so many years. And then he's done. And, uh, you know, I, I use a little uh, statement, and maybe it's not a good one, but I tell people a lot of times, when God punches your time clock, you're done. Plain and simple. Uh, why do I know that? The last part of verse uh, 5 of Job 14. For you have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Now you can go hide in a hole. Uh, you can do every wash your hands, your body, and wear a full suit to protect you from this virus. But if God has designed it for you to get it and to die from it, it is God's design. Uh, you can uh, say, well, I, I'm not going to get this virus. I'm clean. I'm doing that. And you can be driving down the road and have an accident and die. I mean, I, nobody likes death. I'm not really looking forward to the death part. I mean, going to heaven is going to be pretty great. There's a whole lot worse things than dying and going to heaven. But it says here in Scripture that God has appointed the days and the, and the times of man, and he can't do anything about it. When God is through, he's through, and you're going to die or you're not. It's up to God. I firmly believe that. I, firmly, I believe that, that it is all in his hands, even the life that I live and the breath that I take. And whether I like it or not, I mean, I know Mason sometimes, he, he's playing out in the yard and having a good time, and Daddy will tell him sometimes, Mason, you got 30 more minutes. And in 30 minutes, okay, let's go inside and get a bath. Let's go get supper. And just about every time, Mason, I don't want to go inside. I want to play more. That's just adults too, isn't it? I don't want to die, Lord. I want to play more. God has set the limits, the boundaries, and the time. And it's all in his hands and in his control for our good. We must come to that. So, wow, Brother Kenny, you have really encouraged me with this. Now what do I do? I'm telling you to live every day to the fullest. Live every day as if it's your last. Live every day as if to, to, to encourage and to spread the good news of the gospel. Live every day and get the best out of it. And for every day that you have, thank God for it. 
Praise him for every breath that you can take. There are some right now in hospitals that are difficulty having taking a breath. Thank God that you're able to breathe. Thank God that you are okay every day of your life. I think we take for granted too many times the little things, like just taking a good deep breath. I think we're taking way too much. Live life to the fullest that God has given you. Thank you for the time. Thank him for the time that he's given you. Uh, Play in the yard with confidence that God has given you. Looking to him always for assurance that you're okay. And that where you're at is where he wants you to be. Uh, And with full assurance as you go through your daily lives, know that he's there protecting you, watching every step you take, picking you up when you fall, providing for you when you have a need, and and he's going to keep you in his care. If something goes wrong, what do you do? Call out to him. Just like my grandson would call out to daddy. Call out to your heavenly father. Lord, uh, this may be difficult. This may be a hard time. But with you, God, all things are possible. Give me peace. Give me the strength to do what you would have me to do. Live every day to the fullest. Go to him in prayer. Ask him for comfort and peace that passes all understanding. You know, see, a child, I said, can't bring anything to the table. He doesn't have much to offer. He's helpless on his own. But you know one thing a child does give a father? And this is scriptural. It says, happy is the man whose quiver is full. Children bring joy to their parents. And I believe God's children... Bring joy to our Heavenly Father when we look for Him on the porch. And we look to Him and say, I trust you. No matter what. I don't understand. I want to keep playing. But Father, I trust you. There's been no greater joy in my life than to see my children just trust me when it didn't make sense. To to obey me when they really didn't want to. Children can bring great joy to the parents. Christians, you want to bring joy to your Heavenly Father? Trust Him. Obey Him. Know He's there for you. He's watching you. He's providing for you. All things are in His hands. And we can live every day of our life in confidence. Live every day to the fullest until he calls you home. And then we get to just walk streets of gold. We get to be with my Savior. I, got, I get to be with God, my Father. No more pain, no more suffering. I don't want that day to hurry up. But I'm sure not going to beg it to, to come back once I'm finally there. Trust him every day. Live it to the fullest. I hope this encourages you. I hope this uh, helps you. I know a lot are going through difficult times right now. But I want to encourage you to just trust God. Uh, Here at Bethel Baptist Church, our deacons, myself, we're here to help you. 
Uh, we're, we're here to pray with you. We're here to encourage you the best we know how. Uh, if you need anything, I know there's a lot that can't get groceries or get things, and, and uh, I don't know how much we can do in that area, but we will do our best to continue to minister, even though those doors are closed, the body of Christ is still open. We're still here to minister, to love, to encourage, to lift up. So should you need anything, give us a call. We'll be praying for you uh, and asking God to lead and guide us and help us to be a light in a lost and dying world. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we just thank you that we know you're in control. It's difficult for us, and we want to kick and fight and fuss about all the things that's going on, and we're worried, Lord, but just help us just stop for a moment and focus on you and just praise and glorify your name for every breath, every day, every blessing that you bestow upon us and stop focusing so much on the negative. Lord, help us to, to focus and, and look to the others that are in need, that we could be an encouragement to them, that we could minister them the way you would have us minister. Lead and guide us. Lord, be with our nation, be with our, our leaders, our president. As they go through these things, we pray, Lord, that you would be with the doctors and nurses, that you would just help them, Lord, to give them strength, to to keep them healthy, to to help with this. We pray for the scientists and the doctors that are working vigorously for a cure. Lord, if it be pleasing to you, let that cure come quickly. Or just let this disease just go, if it would be pleasing to you, Lord. But most of all, you be glorified in all that you're doing. You be, let us turn back to you and look to you, Father. Maybe you're giving us a a time out here with all of our fussing Lord we're, we, we fuss and bicker with one another and in our government and our nations about who's the greatest who's the best Father I can't help but think that maybe you just put your foot down and say I'm the best and I'm in control and you need to look to me Father help us to look to you Help our nation to turn back to you and our world to turn to you, to look for, to you for all of our guidance and all that we have. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.